Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, I was not a model student for the three years I spent at Red Deer College in Red Deer, Alberta. In fact, when I look back at those times now, it's like a little bit of a blur, but there was one assignment from my first semester in my first year that I still remember to this day. It was philosophy. We had to write an essay, and the topic was this. If a tree falls in the forest, and no one's there to hear it, does it still make a sound? Does it? It's a hard question, right? If a tree falls in the forest, and no one's there to hear it, does it still make a sound? For whatever reason, that question captivated me. It like held my interest. And so instead of mailing it in and doing the bare minimum that I thought I could get away with, which is what I usually did, I threw myself into this assignment. I rolled up my sleeves and I got to work. And here was my answer. I said, no. Because sound comes in two parts, transmission and reception. Tree falls in the forest, transmission. No one there to hear it, no reception, no sound. Got an A, got an A. But I laugh at it now because I was 17 years old when I wrote that paper. And I was so sure I was right. If you would have told me, it does make a sound, I would have said, you're crazy. But if you ask me that question today, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it still make a sound? My answer would probably be, I don't know. I don't really care, to be absolutely honest with you. (laughs) Now, I bring that up because we're continuing this journey through the New Testament gospel of John. And we're entering into John chapter 7, and we're going to see Jesus begin to have a number of conversations with individuals and with groups. And you're kind of left asking yourself the similar question to the one that my philosophy prof asked me all those years ago. If Jesus is talking, but you're not listening, does it still make a difference? If Jesus is speaking, and you're not hearing, does it still make a difference? A difference. You read through the Gospels and you see Jesus say again and again, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Another translation puts it this way. Are you listening? Really listening. Over and over and over, Jesus asked that question. Are you listening? Really listening? If Jesus is speaking, but I'm not listening, does it still make a difference? See, I found myself kind of convicted about that today because I want to remind you and I want to remind me that Jesus has gone before us into this spectacular moment. So I want to lean forward into it, you know? I want to lean into it. Believing that the Jesus that went before us into this moment has a plan for you, has a plan for me. He wants to challenge us. He wants to change us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to strengthen us in this spectacular moment. And I want to lock in. I want to listen, like really listen, because I don't want to miss a thing. John chapter 7, starting at verse 1. Later, Jesus was going about his business in Galilee. He didn't want to travel in Judea because the Jews there were looking for a chance to kill him. It was, the near, it was near the time of tabernacles, a feast observed annually by the Jews. His brother said... Why don't you leave here and go up to the feast so your disciples can get a good look at the works you do? No one who intends to be publicly known does everything behind the scenes. 
If you're serious about what you are doing, come out in the open and show the world. His brothers were pushing him like this because they didn't believe in him either. Jesus came back at them. Don't pressure me. This isn't my time. It's your time. It's always your time. You have nothing to lose. The world has nothing against you, but it's up in arms against me. It's against me because I expose the evil behind its pretensions. You go ahead. Go up to the feast. Don't wait for me. I'm not ready. It's not the right time for me. He said this and stayed on in Galilee. But later, after his family had gone up to the feast, he also went. But he kept out of the way, careful not to draw attention to himself. The Jews were already out looking for him, asking around, where is that man? There was a lot of contentious talk about him circulating through the crowds. Some were saying, he's a good man. But others said, not so. He's selling snake oil. This kind of talk went on in guarded whispers because of the intimidating Jewish leaders. With the feast already half over, Jesus showed up in the temple teaching. The Jews were impressed but puzzled. How does he know so much without being schooled? Jesus says, I didn't make this up. What I teach comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who wants to do his will can test this teaching and know whether it's from God or whether I'm making it up. A person making things up tries to make himself look good, but someone trying to honor the one who sent him sticks to the facts and doesn't tamper with reality. It was Moses, wasn't it, who gave you God's law? But none of you are living it. So why are you trying to kill me? The crowd said, you're crazy. Who's trying to kill you? You're demon-possessed. Jesus said, I did one miraculous thing a few months ago, and you're still standing around getting all upset, wondering what I'm up to. Moses prescribed circumcision. Originally, it came not from Moses, but from his ancestors. And so you circumcise a man dealing with one part of his body, even if it's the Sabbath. You do this in order to preserve one item in the law of Moses. So why are you upset with me? Because I made a man's whole body well on the Sabbath. Don't be hypercritical. Use your head. Use your heart to discern what is right, to test what is authentically right. I have a friend who says there's two types of people in the world. Truth seekers and self-seekers. Two kinds of people in the world, truth-seekers and self-seekers. And they will both eventually find exactly what they're seeking. Two kinds of people in the world, truth-seekers and self-seekers. Each of them will eventually find exactly what they seek. Ironically, however, ironically, however, the road to fulfillment the road to joy, the road to hope, the road to purpose, the road to a life worth living, the road to the U.S. version of you that the world has ever seen doesn't run through self. The road to a life worth living does not run through self. It runs through truth. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, that makes sense to you. You've heard that before. Jesus says, hey, you want real life? Lose yourself. We get that. But I was thinking this week that maybe you're here today and you're still, you still got some questions about this whole Jesus thing. You still are trying to figure it out for yourself. 
I would suggest it might not be enough for me just to stand up here and say, well, it is that way because Jesus says it. So I want to take it a step further, and I think I can prove it to you, that the road to fulfillment, the road to purpose, the road to joy, the, ro the road to a life worth living doesn't run through self. I think there's two reasons for that, stagnant and small. Stagnant and small. Your life becomes very stagnant when you live to seek yourself. Here's what I mean. I want you to imagine for a second that you are exactly the same person you were when you were 14. Now, if you are 14, imagine way back when you were 13, okay? Imagine that you're the same person that you were when you were 13 years old, okay? Same person you were when you were 14. That wouldn't be good. I bet you agree with me. That wouldn't be great. And yet, when you live to seek self, what self are you seeking? present version of you. Therefore, a life-seeking self instead of truth will leave you stagnant, will leave you exactly where you are right now. You'll be exhausted because you'll be like, man, why do I keep having all these unfortunate situations, all this drama, all this heartbreak? And at some point, someone might tell you, you know what? I found a common denominator in all your unfortunate situations. It's you. Because you haven't changed. The second reason why the road to a life worth living doesn't run through self is because you're rather small. Truth is pretty big. Truth is like 30,000 foot level, but you're here and you're you, and when you try to just live exactly where you're at, you don't always see the big picture. You miss too much. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, if you try to live your life against the grain of truth, you'll get slivers. It's ironic, isn't it? That the road to fulfillment, the road to purpose, the road to joy doesn't run through self. It runs through truth. The truth, in fact, will set you free. The truth will set you free. So what I want to do today is I want to give us five ways that we can choose to be truth seekers in 2023. It's a lot. I'm going to go pretty quick. If you love taking notes, you might want to take notes on this because life happens fast. You might think, oh, I'm a truth seeker. But as I wrote this, I realized there's areas that I can improve on. Now, if you don't take notes, that's absolutely fine. You can text us always at 604-670. I almost forgot the number, which is pitiful. <laughs> absolutely pitiful. Six seven zero thirty forty, and we will send you those notes or whatever else you need. How to be a truth seeker in 2023? Ironically, the road to fulfillment doesn't run through self, it runs through truth. How do I become a truth seeker in 2023? How do I move more towards truth? Number one, be a skeptic. Be a skeptic in 2023, not a cynic. Be a skeptic. Skeptic says, I don't think that's true. Skeptic says, I don't think that's true, but I'm going to find out. What a courageous thing to say in 2023. I don't think that's true, but I'm going to do the hard work of finding out. What a diligent thing to say in 2023. I'm going to roll up my sleeves and find out. It's good news, right? Because if you turn to the New Testament of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11 says this, that the Lord rewards those who diligently seek him. Jesus once said, I am the way, I am the life, and I am the truth. I believe skeptics are truth seekers who will always find truth if they continue to diligently seek. 
Skeptic says, I don't think that's true, but I'm going to find out. Cynic is different. Cynic says, I don't want that to be true. I don't want that to be true, so I'm going to do whatever I can to prove it to be false. See the difference there? Cynic says, I don't want that to be true, so I'm going to prove it to be false. There's a few cynics in this passage that I just read. Jesus' brothers, for example. Jesus' brothers do not want Jesus to be the Savior. They do not want him to be the Messiah. They do not want him to be the Son of God. One of the things that you'll notice if you get to know some cynics, and I think we're all cynical in certain ways, by the way, there's always a reason for cynicism. There's always a reason for it. I want you to imagine being one of Jesus' younger siblings. Right? So Jesus had an earthly mom named Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, miraculous. So Jesus was fully God and fully man. He never messed up. So imagine being his little brother. Every time there was a problem between you and him in a room, Mary would walk in, you'd point at Jesus, and she'd be like, no, it's your fault again. <laughs> right? I was thinking this week about Mary and Joseph sitting all the kids down, saying, you know what, you guys have been acting up a lot lately. You've been causing a lot of problems. So Joseph, dad, has carved you all little bracelets. And we want you to put them on, and, and he's carved... W-W-J-D. <laughs> what does that mean, Dad? It means, what would Jesus do? Just do that and we'll all be fine. It would have frosted their flakes after a while, being Jesus' little brother or sister. There's always a reason for cynicism. So they say to him, oh yeah, you're a big deal in Galilee. Cool. Go to Jerusalem and we'll see how it goes. There's always a reason for it. Thinking about how in our world today there are so many people who are cynical around the whole idea of Jesus. There's a reason for it. There always is. I think for a lot of people who are cynical about Jesus, it probably started at one point when they met a person or a group of people or maybe a whole church full of people who said, hey, we follow Jesus. We represent him. It's funny because Jesus said, people will know that you follow him by your love, by your love, by your love, by you, your love. That's how they will know that you follow him. But, 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 but cynics, people have become cynical towards Jesus. Somewhere along the line, they've met a person or a group of people or a whole church full of people, and they say, we represent Jesus, but they don't. Because they don't love. There's not a hint of love in them. It's judgment and it's condemnation and it's anger and it's grumpy and it's greedy and it's rude. And these poor, cynical people walk away, might have been last year, might have been 20 years ago, might have been 40 years ago, we don't know, but they walk away and they say, if that's what it looks like, no. Not interested. And then they get to a point where they say, I don't want that to be true. If that's what you believe, I don't want that to be true. At a church like Southside, I know that there's people watching online, you're here in person, and that's your story a little bit. 
Maybe you showed up today at a church for the first time in your life, or maybe the first time in a long, long, long time you've come back. There's two things that I want you to know about Jesus. Number one, he loves you. Absolutely, completely, infinitely, unequivocally loves you. And therefore, I want to say sorry. I want to say sorry that imperfect people like me have shown up in your life from time to time and not done a real great job of representing his love. He, he loves you so much that he died for you. So you could have a fresh start and a new beginning. The second thing I want you to know about Jesus is he's not done with you. He's not exasperated by you. He's not annoyed with you. He's not done with you at all. He's got an incredible plan for your life. He wants you to become the U.S. version of you that the world has ever seen. So much so that he rose again for you. Not only did he die for you, he rose again for you so that his life could become your life and step by step by step by step you could be everything you were created to be. So here's the first way that you can become a true seeker. Just be a skeptic, not a cynic. Second one, before I give you the, the, the second one, it's a little bit intricate, and I planned an illustration. Okay, so maybe you've wondered sometimes, what does Mike do when he's not standing on this stage preaching? Well, one of the things I do, mister, is I plan these incredible illustrations, okay? Ones that you will not ever forget, okay? That's going to happen today. This is a participation illustration. You're going to participate in this. It's incredible. Are you ready? It's good. It took me hours and hours to come up with this one, Okay. How do I set it up? Just don't want to wreck the moment, you know? Okay, let's just jump into it. Okay, here's the illustration. Uh, look at the person beside you. Really study them. This gets really awkward, by the way. <laughs> Two different couples started making out first service when this happened. I'm not making it, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I don't even know if they knew each other before church either to tell you. <laughs> Keep looking, keep looking. I know it's killing you, right? Hey, maybe you're single and she's single and you're interested and this is a moment. Give her the smolder, ask her out on a date. This could be sweet, you know? Get engaged, get married one day, have kids. All I ask is if your first child is a son, name him Michael. If it's a girl, name her Michelle because it's all started right now. So you're locking eyes. This is the power. These are the illustrations I come up with, okay? All right, I'll give you a couple more seconds to do that. Thanks, band. Great, great participation. It is awkward, though, isn't it? Okay, look up front. You're not all, hey, you had your chance. Yo, you two, we're going to look up front now. They just smolder. Amazing. Okay, you're not allowed to look at each other anymore. You can't cheat. You can't look back. You had your chance to observe. Got two questions for you. You're looking forward, you can't look back at that person. Okay, you ready? How many ears do they have? Don't cheat. I hope you said two, for your sake and their sake, okay? How many mouths? One, yeah. Sometimes biology tells us everything that we need to know. You wanna be a truth seeker? Just listen about two times as much as you talk. Say, so, well, I don't really know, Mike. I don't know if I talk too much. 
I'm gonna help you with that. Give you a few tests, okay? How to tell if you might talk too much, okay? So you go out for lunch with a person or a group of people. Everyone else is done eating and your plate is still full. You talk too much. Or how about this one? You found yourself lately getting into arguments with people and then about a half an hour into the argument, you realize, wait a minute, we agree. I just didn't pick it up because I wasn't listening. listening. That's right, that's right. I'll give you a third test. This one's a little more intricate, but I think quite useful. Okay, so let's imagine that you're just going, this is how people go through their day, by the way. Okay, you're just going through your day, all right? And you bump into somebody you know, let's call him Fred, okay? And you spend about a half an hour talking to Fred, right? And then you just continue to go on with your day, and you meet somebody else, and, and, and she knows you and she knows Fred. Let's call her Wilma, okay? So you, you're talking to Wilma. That was an age test, by the way, okay? <laughs> some people know the Flintstones, and some people don't. Okay, but you say to Wilma, uh, or Wilma says to you, oh, you, you talked to Fred. That's amazing. How's he doing? Uh, I don't know. Okay, okay, but, but you know, he, he was sick, right? And he had, he had some important tests to do in the hospital. How'd the tests go? I don't know. Okay, well, Fred and Lolita, his girlfriend's name is Lolita, believe it or not, and, and they're, they were having some problems. Did they break up or are they still together? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, he really wanted to get that job. He was going for the interview. How would it go with the interview? Not a clue. You, my friend, talk too much. Now, don't feel bad, though, because we all do. I think it's a pretty common thing. In fact, I would go a step further, and I would say that our culture is struggling because of this. I think so much of the enmity in our culture so much of the tribalism and the violence and the hatred in our culture really stems from an inability to listen and an overly strong proclivity to talk. So what we want to do this year is we want to listen a little bit more, a little bit more and talk maybe a, a little bit less. You see it in this story, right? There's these two groups arguing over who Jesus is, and one of them says, he's a snake oil salesman. No, he's not. Are you listening? You might call him a lot of things, but have you listened to what he said? He's not looking to sell anybody anything. He's not looking for anything himself. He's not a snake oil salesman. And then the other group says, no, he's not. He's a good man. Well, no, he's not. Are you listening? He never said he was a good man. He's the son of God. So we're going to listen. We're going to listen. We're going to really listen this year. Before I leave that point, <clears throat> some of you might be looking at me going, well, Mike, I do listen. I really listen a lot. I go on to Reddit and YouTube and podcasts, and I find people who agree with me on everything, and I listen to their podcasts. That doesn't count. It doesn't count. That's like talking to yourself with a different voice. It's kind of weird, actually. When I say listen twice as much as you talk, what I mean is listen to people that see the world a little bit differently than you. Listen to people who have different backgrounds than you have, di different foundations than you have, different perspectives than you have. Ironically, the road to fulfillment does not run through self, it runs through truth. How do we become a truth seeker? Well, the third way is we receive information, but we seek wisdom.
we receive information, but we seek wisdom. Information is facts. Wisdom is facts applied. Because you, you take those facts and you apply them to your life. That then is wisdom. It's really important. I talked earlier about how C.S. Lewis says if you want to live your life against the grain of truth, you're going to end up with splinters. Okay? And, and the reason is, is because information can be a little bit deceptive. I've been watching lately people with diametrically opposed views will argue and they will both spew information. The information becomes like ammunition. They, they will both spew facts, and so at some point, we have to go, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I don't want to live my life just to be right. I don't want to live my life just to be right. I want to get it right. So I want to take these facts, take this information I'm learning, and, 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 and seek wisdom. How does this apply to me? Does this work? I think we got to maybe be a little slower to always try to be right, and quicker just to try to get it right. Wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is taking information and applying it to our lives. This is what takes me a lot of time when I'm preparing my sermons. I was joking when I said the illustration part before. It didn't really take me that long. I know, it's shocking, isn't it? But this is serious. This takes me a long time because I don't just want to be up here spewing information. I pray and I spend a lot of time asking, okay, God, like for, for you and for me, how does this apply? Like if I look back at my past experiences, my present situation, my future hopes and dreams, how does this apply? How can we move forward with wisdom? In the New Testament, the book of James chapter one says it this way. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act, act, act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are, what they look like. Application, application. Take information, add application, and then you have wisdom. By the way, remind, remind me at the end of the sermon, I want to talk a little bit more about the guy who wrote this New Testament book of James. Cool story. Cool story. Fourth way. The fourth way to be truth seekers in 2023, uh, give up on the illusion of control and choose instead to connect. There's a temptation for you, there's a temptation for me anyways, to control other people. Some people call it micromanaging. My wife, Corinne, makes fun of me. She says, you put the mic in micromanage, okay? Because I do, I try to control people. I really do. I would be quick to say, my motives are really good. No, they really are. I just look at you and go, well, if you would just do everything I tell you to do, and just say everything I tell you to say, and just act exactly how I tell you to act, it's going to be fine. The problem with that is it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Control of another person is an illusion. I would say that especially to parents of teenagers and young adults. Control of another person is an illusion. Or they might act the way you want them to act. They might say what you want them to say. They might look the way that you want them to look while you're around and for a little while, but eventually, no. I think many of us are like me. 
Like my goal behind micromanaging is a good goal. I really, really want to help people. And so I began to ask myself, okay, if my goal is good and I want to help people and I want to influence them and I really want to see them do well in life, what's the better road? Control or connect? And I started to ask myself this question. Maybe you could do the same. When I look back at my life, at the people who have had the most profound impact on me, were they controllers or were they connectors? For me, they were all connectors. So we're not going to give in to the illusion of control. We're going to look around this year and try to connect instead. It's pretty sad, actually, this passage. There's all these people trying to micromanage Jesus. Hey, a little more wine. A little more loaves and fishes, please. You need to go over there. You need to do that. You need to say that. And, and there he is. There he is standing there. The Son of God. The Savior of the world. And all he wants to do is connect. And you're trying to control him. He doesn't want to control you. He just wants to connect. Ironically, the road to a life worth living doesn't run through self, it runs through truth. How do we become truth seekers in 2023? The fifth and final way is this. Put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. He says, you're trying to kill me. What? You crazy? I was trying to kill you. Are you demon-possessed? Well, if you continue to follow us through this journey through the Gospel of John, you'll see that Jesus was exactly right. They are plotting to kill him. The question is, why? Why do they want to kill Jesus? It's going to blow your mind. They're plotting to kill Jesus. Listen to this. They're plotting to kill Jesus because he healed a man. That's the truth. They're plotting to kill Jesus. The plot's already underway. They want to kill him because he healed a man. That's crazy. And yet these men, honestly, these religious men, they're not insane. They're fairly intelligent people. And yet it's come to this. They are plotting to kill Jesus because he healed a man. Oh, but wait. But wait. He did it on the wrong day. That's why I'm so sorry. You healed on the wrong day. So now we're going to kill you. So this man was crippled for 38 years. Lying beside this pool called Bethesda, which means house of mercy. And Jesus shows up and has mercy on him. He says to this crippled man, get up, grab your mat and walk. And he did. And the response is, Let's kill him. Let's kill him. Because he healed on the wrong 
day. Jesus has mercy. Jesus has mercy on these religious men, and he says, no, 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 no. You gotta put the magnifying glass down. Because look who you've become. Pick up the mirror. Look, you've become a group of people who wanna kill someone for healing a crippled man on the wrong day. Come on, man. How in the world does that happen? It's pretty easy. It's an extreme example, but I think for you and me, we can relate a little bit, can't we? You walk around in life with a magnifying glass for too long, and pretty soon things can go sideways in a hurry. You're looking to accuse. You're looking to judge. You're looking to find fault. You're looking to vilify. You're looking to find enemies. You're looking to find imperfections. And guess what? You'll always find them. And while you won't end up, you may not end up, I hope you don't end up in a place where these men ended up where, you know what, we're going to kill this man because he healed on the wrong day. You will end up in some really bad situations. You will have some really bad perspectives. And it's not who you are. It's most certainly not who you were created to be. And so Jesus, in an act of mercy, heals this man by the pool called Bethesda, right? Make sense? And in another act of mercy, he says, in another act of mercy, he loves these religious men. He says, put down the magnifying glass. Are you crazy? Pick up the mirror because surely, 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 your dream in life was not to end up here. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules imposed on the people. Looking to judge them, looking to make them miserable, and all the while making yourself most miserable. Pick up the mirror. And I would say the same to you and the same to me this year. Let's put down the magnifying glass. Every time we feel like we're tempted to pick it up, let's put it down and let's pick up the mirror. I talked a little bit about this last week. I talked about this whole process called... um, Well, it's called repentance. I don't have time to re-preach last week's sermon, but basically it gets a, a bad rap, but it's a beautiful thing. Repentance is just change your mind and ask God to change your heart. It's just to look at your day and go, man, I'll look back at that moment. That's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. I was super selfish. I pick up a mirror and I look, and then you say, Jesus, I changed my mind. I don't want to be that way anymore. And he slowly but surely begins to change your heart. And next thing you know, you become the youest version of you that the world has ever seen. You can't do that. You can't do that when you're walking around in your life with a magnifying glass. Pick up the mirror. Ironically, the road to fulfillment, the road to joy, to purpose, to a life worth living, does not run through self, it runs through truth. So five ways we become truth seekers in 2023. Well, first, we choose to be skeptics, not cynics. Second, We listen twice as much as we talk. Third, we receive information, but we seek, we always seek wisdom. We're not satisfied just to be right, we wanna get it right. Fourth, we're gonna give up the illusion of control, we're gonna choose instead to connect, and finally fifth. Put down the magnifying glass and we're gonna pick up the mirror.
I told you that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the author of that passage I quoted earlier, the New Testament book of James. The New Testament book of James. All those years ago, but he says to me, there's two kinds of people in the world, truth seekers, self-seekers. And then he says, Mike, you're a truth seeker. And I remember thinking, no, I'm not. If you're, if you're, if you're saying that we're locked in and we're either like completely truth seekers or completely self-seekers, there's no way I'm a truth seeker. I mean, I still remember being that 17-year-old punk that was so sure that if a tree falls in the forest... It doesn't make a sound, and if you didn't think that, you were stupid. More than that, I could look back at my life over the last year and think of times that I've been cynical. I can think of times that I talked way too much and listened way too little. I can think of times that I wanted to be right more than I wanted to get it right. I can think of times that I tried to control people rather than connect with them. And I most certainly can think of times that I've picked up a magnifying glass instead of a mirror. And I was kind of discouraged, honestly. Like, he meant it as a compliment, but I walked away feeling a bit discouraged because I'm like, well, if, if we're just kind of locked in and we have to pick one or the other, I think, I don't know, I'm leaning at times to self-seeker. But then I read through this passage again this week, and I thought about it. This, this New Testament book of James, what a funny book that is. James. You know who James is? He's Jesus' little brother. So, so Jesus' little brother went from being a cynic to a sincere believer. How did it happen? Oh, it, it happened when he saw his big brother die and rise again. Well, everything changed. Everything changed. And actually, two of the books in the New Testament are written by Jesus' brothers, Jude and James. And I, I thought to myself, well, if there's hope for James, there's hope for you. <laughs> if there's hope for Jude, there's hope for all of us, right? And so I guess that's what I want to encourage us to do. This year, this week, today, just move, just move, just move, just a little bit more, just a little bit more towards skeptic, just a little bit more towards listening, just a little bit more towards connecting. I said earlier that there's two things that you need to know about Jesus. And they're true. One is, you are so incredibly loved. No matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, that's just the truth. You are so incredibly loved. And secondly, he's so completely not done with you. Oh, the best is yet to come. It's, he's just getting started. See, he loves you so much, he died for you. He's so not done with you that he rose again for you. So I want to just ask us just to take a moment for personal reflection right now. If you don't mind, if you could close your eyes and bow your heads, I would love that. So that's the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the life, and I am the truth. The truth is you are so incredibly loved. And you got such an incredible plan for you. He died for you. He rose again for you. So what I ask you to do is if, if today you would say, and I want to begin that journey. I want to take hold of that truth that I am loved. And the best really is yet to come because of Jesus. 
I'm going to ask you with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, can you just raise your hand right now nice and high because I want to pray for you. Amazing. Nice and high if you don't mind. It's awesome. If you're watching online right now and it's safe to do so, I think there's power in that, just a personal expression of an inward commitment. Yeah, if your hands are up, you can put them down. Just invite you to pray silently along with me as I pray out loud. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. So today I just ask you to be my savior. You died to give me a fresh start. I receive it. Thank you for your power. Jesus, you rose again to give me life today, tomorrow, and forever. So I acknowledge you as my Lord, and I pray that you would just give me the strength to live the life, to find the purpose, to experience the joy today, tomorrow, and forever. I thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that, please? Hey, if you, just, if you just raised your hand online or in person and prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love it if you could take a second and text the keyword LIFE to 604-670-3040. Just want to support you and help you. You know, every week when I get to the end of my sermon, I try to think of some snappy way to tell you that next week is going to be so cool. You know what? Can I tell you something? Next week's going to be so cool. So be here and bring some friends. Love you guys. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.